archive, man. Right. Welcome to the Dresden Files podcast. <laughs> Thanks for letting us know you got it to work. <laughs> I was just yeah. Googling it to see if, if uh, YouTube Live is down or something. So. I don't know. Um, I was very suspicious of China, yeah. but eventually it just worked. Topical. Uh, so today in the Dress of House podcast, we'll be talking about cold days. This is episode Forever. four. Four out of like 17 or something like that. Cold days and don't yeah. peace talks. Uh, but we got news, don't we, E.G.? What do we got? Well, new short story dropped called Monsters. It's a Goodman Gray short story featured in the Parallel Worlds ebook. Not for sale in, in print yet, if ever. So go download it if you want. Yeah, we'll cool. probably cover that short story after we get through the many episodes of Cold Days. Yay. What we're actually trying to do is we're trying to cover the series in real time, and we realized that we were way too early, so we got to wait until it's actually Halloween to finish Cold Days. So, no. I disagree I just, with that assessment. We did actually have a discussion <laughs> similar to that, so yeah. I just came up with that. I thought it was funny. That's why it's um, taking it so long. Great. <laughs> Uh, we but are... what's crazy is once we get caught up we've got to do the podcast in like 24 hours because that's how long the events take in the book so yeah, yeah you want to do a 24 hour podcast we we can't even get each other together for an hour <laughs> you right. want to do a 24 hour podcast <laughs> no no we're good okay we are starting at chapter 33 Harry is taking a walk with mother summer a very inconsequential walk where no information is imparted whatsoever mm-hmm. yep also, walk is, you know, walk. Yeah. He, he experiences it as a walk, and then he's actually traveling many dimensions or something. He experiences a lot of things that he's not actually experiencing. So, like, that's mm-hmm. one of the things we find out about. So, yeah, that we are getting it through Harry's perception, which may or may not be jaded because of the literal laws of magic. Because of how they were written down to give him preconceptions. Yeah. And then when he assumes that it was just metaphorical bullshit and it turns out there are actually fucking (laughs) gates. Right. Yeah. (laughs) Thou shalt not seek beyond the outer gates. Wait, there are actually outer gates? Like what? Mm -hmm. (laughs) Oh, I suppose they are impressive when you first see them. Whatever Rashid says. Yeah, we're getting ahead of ourselves. Oh, uh, yeah. 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 Okay. So go ahead, director. Let's walk us through this scene. So Mother Summer is doing her thing of asking him questions, trying to prompt him to think about shit. And it kind of fails for at least a while. It is Harry. Yeah. uh, What do you suppose will happen if you do not heed Mab's command? And after he tries to... uh, Whatever. He tries to get around the question. I can't remember the words. Um, she says, stop the bullshit, and what would happen if you don't kill Maeve and Mab dies? It's pretty good when the, the she is telling you quit playing the word games and fucking yeah. answer the question. <laughs> um, and he says, Maeve assumes uh, Mab's mantle and becomes a new winter queen. And something that I was thinking about recently of, in time, she says, the difference will hardly show. Uh-huh. So, and they've been saying that about Maeve and Molly, so that Molly is going to become like Maeve and just as batshit insane party girl. 
does that mean that if Maeve took Mab's mantle, she would also become as business oriented and serious as Mab is, or would she still be the party freak? I mean, the implication is that eventually she would have taken over. Like she, she'd be indistinguishable. It's the same thing with Lily and Aurora, right? Mm-hmm. That they, if Dresden didn't know better, Lily, for all intents and purposes, is. I mean, because he's talked about it in decades, right? So let's say she's halfway there, but they at least look identical, right? Mm. And there are a lot of things in common, especially in this book, because she kind of peaks. Spoilers. Um, so you know, there there are a lot of similarities there. Now, the the thing that I can't reconcile um, with Maeve's case is a why would the mantle be the party animal type? Mm -hmm. Um, B, she's already been shirking her job for like 200 years, right? So when, when and why did that happen? And apparently that's some, some kind of not hard coded into the, the mantle, I would assume, because when Molly takes it over, that's literally her job. Her job is to clean up Maeve's bullshit. So we don't know that. And so that's why for me, I always get my wires crossed on when she was infected because she was clearly an infected after the party. So it's been a handful of years, which to the she is nothing. But Maeve's been fucking off for 200 years. So right. why, how, what, you know, like all of the questions, because I really don't think like Molly, I could absolutely see Molly taking over like the sex kitten thing, because that's a she like, especially a winter like mentality. Like that's a female predator type of thing. You see that from Leah, you see that I mean, Mab does it. She's just more direct. She's a little bit more dom and a little bit less, you know, fun, I guess, or something like that. But uh, with, um, like, I could see Molly taking on those aspects and you even get a taste of that with Ramirez. And some of that could just be the age and some of that could be, he's irresistible. I mean, come on, he's sexy. But, uh, but like, what has Maeve been doing for 200 years? I mean, obviously she's been doing the Mad Hatter interpretation, but how did she get away with that if the mantles are that restrictive, right? Like what's the, so to me, there's a lot of questions. I don't know. Maybe well, I think about it too much, but. It, well, well, there's certainly more restrictive the, the higher up you go on the food chain. So like, sure. All things being equal, if she had no infection and somehow she ascended up to Mab, that wouldn't be the case for long at all. If even for <laughs> another like year, I mean, she'd be pretty much compelled by the stronger impulses to do what she had to do probably more or less speaking is you know because the mantle is twofold it's got the primal side and it's got the cold calculating side harry sees both of them even in the night mantle he has these urges he has these things he has to sort of work past that's sort of the struggle of winter so may have just probably you know leaned on the primal side and things were not in such a way the last couple centuries that she had to really do her job and Mab was able to indulge her, quote-unquote, her words, mm-hmm. because things weren't as serious. Now, shit's hitting the fan, and it's much more important to have an on-the-ball winter lady doing what she's supposed to be doing. Right, so... but I mean, indulging her implies that there's wiggle room, right? That's what I'm saying. Like, she Well, there's clearly... always a little... Right. She clearly has wiggle room because so taking one of your comments right about the higher you go, the more restrictive it is. Right. So we we know 
either through Word of Jim or it's brought up here or something like that, but we know that um, the Winter Mother is probably the original. But yeah, this is the only original left. Right, but the that means Mother Summer is not. So is this Mother Summer literally indistinguishable or would Mother Winter be like, oh yeah, no, this one has XYZ quirk. You know, she she really hates cleaning, but she has to do it because that's the balance or whatever, you know, like uh, where where does the mantle end and the personality begin? Because there seems to be an implication that there's still some individuality if there isn't free will. Like, and that, that question still hasn't been fully answered the scope in the Dresden Files, I think. From which what is... Sarissa says towards the end about Maeve, spoilers, mm -hmm. um, it sounds like Maeve has been Maevish ever since she was a child. Sure. <laughs> So that makes me think that it's this is how Maeve has interpreted the mantle and not what the mantle would actually do. Okay. Sure. And but I mean, it's within the primal. map, too. It's just she's essentially 100% the primal fun, right. kill everything, do whatever side, mm -hmm. which right. is within and, the purview of the, her, her mantle. But And Mab leans harder into the more calculating side. Right. And Harry and even Molly can see that and make use of it. So it, I don't think Mab would ever have been Maeve-ish. It's hard to, no. to think that. No, so I it's like when she was the lady, it was far less of a issue. Yeah. And right. I, I got the impression, I can't remember from where, that uh, Mab and Titania like ascended to being queen around Hastings. And that yeah. was... Yeah. Well, so, that's the implication because they haven't right. spoken since then, or since before then. But I, I thought there was, was something the last, more. That was the last thing. time that the. Uh, I mean, there's a lot of stuff there, right? It was like right. so that was that's the when last the queens died. That's when the changing the of the guard. Up. You know, yeah. So that um, is the most likely scenario: is they ascended right. to their roles then. Right. And I don't know if Maeve took the mantle of Winter Queen. I can just see her going harder into the crazy party, egotistical tripping thing instead of being as calculating as Mab is. I, so I would never be able to agree. She'd be a little bit more um, Queen Catherine the Great's reputation and a little bit less Queen Elizabeth. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah. For a while. But I think I, I think it's less. I think with the ladies, you and the knight, for example, you have some free reign to sort of kind of work that out over, say, a century or two. I think, given not even ten years as queen, queen, it pro. I mean, although unless she's again infected, but again, uh, you know, barring that, I think it sort of would burn it out of her, so to speak. Like she'd get her kicks for maybe a decade doing the crazy regal in power thing. And then it would be like, well. And that's assuming though, the higher stakes aren't in play, which is what mother went, or mother. Well, yeah, if she doesn't get the world blown up before then. Obviously. Right, exactly. This that's is, her implication. Is. She's like, even if she isn't infected spoilers, she totally is. But right. uh, even if she isn't, do you really think she'd uphold Mab's, you know, right. job and what would that look like? And that's the question ultimately that she's posing. And then she's like, okay, now do the reverse. Let's say Mab's crazy and she wins. What do you think's gonna happen? <laughs> you know, and like both are bad, right? But he can he can easily tell that like if you know, uh, 
skipping ahead just a little bit, once they actually get to the gates and he sees what's going on, he realizes that if Mab were truly crazy, she would not, she would not have the handle she does on what's going on. So, right? So. Well, I mean, you would think, I mean, we've had this discussion once before, it should have clicked in right then and there. But right. it still doesn't really click in until he's back at the apartment and he's like, oh, son of a bitch, he's got this flash of insight all of a sudden. It's like, wait a minute. There are a bazillion troops out there still doing their job and you couldn't figure out who was the crazy one? <laughs> That's true. All right, fair enough. You couldn't trust, like, Rashid's judgments? Like, oh, Mab's insane, but you're still here doing your job. Hmm. Right, right. Yeah. But, you know, again, he's stupid. He's hairy. Yeah. So, she asked the question. Yeah, and they discuss the similar things that we were just saying of, like, what happens if this one dies versus what happens if that one dies? Yeah. And, but she also says uh, it, we're all vulnerable to those who are close to us. And right. mostly in reference to Mother Winter, but... Uh, she goes on to say it's harder to extricate themselves from the mortal world because they're so closely tied to it and it uh, distracts them sometimes. Like right. They have their children with mortals. They are half in, half out, and they can't really forget about the part of them that is still mortal or human. It's kind of what Mab was saying at the end of I was mortal once too, and it still hurts. Right. I tend to think that's sort of a byproduct of whichever general... Uh, factions in charge because they end up by design being closest to humanity as the guardians and the check. So like back in the day when the Greek gods were running around and fucking around right. with mortals all the time. Literally. Yeah. I mean, you know, and then right. so they they go away and then that no longer is really a problem. You don't hear, you might still, but you don't really hear today in this day and age about an eagle flying down from Mount Olympus and doing some terrible things to a person. Or bull. So I think it's just kind of a byproduct of being that group that's the big head honcho and is tied closest to the mortal world at that time that we stupid monkeys are distracting. No, but I mean, that's, that's a hugely good point because, you know, that, that can give you clues into the mythology, right? Like mm -hmm. the more removed you are, the less likely you are to get entangled one way or another. And, and mm -hmm. yet that's a great observation about, you know, I mean, think mythology. about it. If, if, for example, going all the way back and the angels and Lucifer is like, uh, these guys are going to screw everything up, and that's the reason for the fall. You know, it goes all the way back to the beginning, potentially, about mortals being a problem. Right. But there was a since we brought up Hastings very briefly. Is there any in any lore or fan theory? Is there any hypothetical connection to the Little Ice Age that follows a couple hundred years after, or would that be some other event? Do you think? Because I if, haven't heard anything about if it. Mo if Mother Summer died and everyone in Summer got bumped up and Winter's in control or has a little bit more power temporarily, and, and kind of one of the temporary imbalances, not the uh, permanent imbalance threatened at the end of Summer Night. Um, what do you guys think? Oops. I think I think what happened is that's when Murphy ascended and she went back in time and then there were two maps. So no, dude, I, I, I think you're so far out there that that's the only response I had. Like, I think it's a good idea. I think it'd be cool to explore in the lore, but I don't think it has any bearing on the like larger story. Okay. Just yeah. backstory stuff. That's my thought. So yeah. I don't know enough about it to say one way or the other, but you know, if winter's in power and then there's a little ice age shit, 
I mean, yeah, because you also had, like, in the 1700s, there was, like, the year without a summer or whatever, right? And sure. Wasn't that directly tied to Krakatoa? Um, so, if anything, that could be laid at Ebenezer's feet if that, if I'm not misremembering, so. Maybe that's when he took the walking stick. Ooh, that could be fun. Ooh. Yeah. But, but we know. earlier than that. Like, yeah, didn't, didn't he specifically say that was him? So, you know, and then you yeah. got you know, Tunguska and other big things. So, I mean, clearly Ebenezer's big enough to at least set up a volcano that would also then cause a year without a summer, but, you know. I like the idea. It's totally derailing us right now, so. Sure. Well, that's <laughs> like waited. five paragraphs of this book so far. <laughs> right. Continue I a waited. little bit. I waited until we we're not talking about it anymore. Okay, All let's right. continue. So, what do, I mean, I want to get to the interactions with the she and the, and the wall and stuff like that. Is there other parts of the conversation we need to cover first? Um, Tidbit about them sharing a, a mantle, mask, yeah. name, whatever. But well, and I mean, some of that came up while they were at the house, right? Because we were talking about we talked about that a little bit last time, and I did some research, and there were some interesting kind of hits that we we talked about afterwards, where it was like, so the mothers do seem to have a joint name slash mantle um there are clearly other names that you know the each of each of the mothers um own what what's interesting to me is that for example so he calls her scold and atropos right which are part of a trifecta of fates there are clearly only two of them so where's the other one is it just divided and split between the two crones or how does that work? So, and then, I mean, some, some people have speculated that it's like, oh, maybe, you know, she's Baba Yaga and whatever. And it's like, okay, that might also be true. I think that might be her fairy name or one of them or something, but that that's more recent than, you know, Greek mythology. It's not older as, as far as my understanding is i i'm not super up on russian mythology well, jim, but jim did attribute but, uh, that one to her on his own oh okay so there you go so yeah but while that is interesting it doesn't get us closer to what were they called before and you know because that's that's the thing like we know like atropos is greek right mm -hmm. right skull yeah, is the norse one is the norse right yeah. and, and so equivalents yeah. of each other that are right. the, the future essentially which is always death Yep. Right. And so if you can find where there are three fates in an earlier mythology, then you've got a clue towards who was manning the gates before the Norse had it. Um, you know, so I think I, there, well, there's always, there's a triple goddess in pretty, or a triple deity in some form in pretty much every religion. I couldn't name you all of them going off the top of my head, but right. going back, there's, there's, uh, I, I'm pretty sure every religion has one um, in some form or another. I tend to think that the mothers share all those because it's sort of the, you know, rebirth and death cycle. Because the Norns and the Fates sure. aren't just, they're not just like straight up bad death, evil thing, you know. And Mother Summer has the plague, so she's obviously responsible for some form of destruction as well. Uh, well, so, I mean, it's balanced, so she's, it, it's right. kind of like the angel of death is more the guy who keeps the plagues, not, you know. And maybe that's what she maybe she just makes them and Mother Summer unleashes them. But either right. way, I tend to think that they I, I think it's like, you know, the ladies are uh, I got to do this in order. Clotho and I think Lachesis. Yeah, I don't know. Lachesis would be the queens. Clotho would be the ladies. 
Um, right. Atropos would be the mothers. We'll have a right. whole episode on this. Split. Interesting. Oh, what a... and then <laughs> you know, back to the Norns, uh, Skald, Verundi, and Erd. I think it is. So you think they're both yeah. Atropos? Yeah, essentially. Because I mean, even when she says that, you know, she's been known as such names before, but you didn't guess the name of Hour. She does. She doesn't just right. attribute in that statement that they share one other one. She attributes as you could take that as we, you know, we we've got a bunch of names we share together. Interesting. I I did not interpret it that way, but yeah, I, I can kind of see that. I guess so. Hmm. All right. Well, there, um, there is the uh, there is the element about. Harry will Harry change? That's sure. pretty cryptic, cryptically worded. But is that pretty much all that's saying? You think? The uh, I'm saying many things, but it's possible anything is possible. And then she clams up. And then yeah, well, she. Harry, I mean, Harry she says Harry. every every night or has like the capacity to remain themselves. Most fail, which I mean, you know, we get the hint that, or at least the mention of Tamlin earlier. That's probably someone who more or less stayed the same. Right. Sure. Like that. I have to imagine someone like Ronald Rule was pretty much himself. I mean, and and they they talk about Slade being like a murderer and terrible beforehand, right? But it's obvious that Maeve was also manipulating him. Yeah. So, you know, I'm sure he was willful as much as anything. Like a lot of these guys, you know, they were their own kind of lawful evil or chaotic evil or whatever. And then, you know, Maeve manipulated them to be her her pet. So you know, like that's that's a big part of Harry keeping himself and keeping him wits about him, and more importantly, the seven words that Uriel tells him. I mean, you got it from a freaking archangel that you know Mab cannot change you. You have to give that up. It, it's still your choice, no matter what she does, no matter the mantle, no matter anything. So if he keeps on his guard, he'll be fine. And to me, that's why, like. You know, people talk about like what the end game is for Harry and stuff like that. I personally think he's going to get out. And, you know, that's a big part of it is that, you know, it's it's entirely possible he embraces the Fainess. And, you know, there have been crazy theories about him becoming like a new winter king or some nonsense like that. Whatever the case may be, I think it's more likely he's going to he's going to get out and he's going to be more of a, a senior council type member. Maybe the Merlin, maybe the gatekeeper something along those lines because the gatekeeper was the fulcrum last time. So there's a lot of incidental shit involved there, but he, he already knows he's the ACE card. Every time he wants it, he wins. And, you know, you, you can see some of that with Mab. Now she can still destroy him and she can unmake him and all sorts of other craziness, but she can't make him hers. She can't make him do something he doesn't want to do. And I mean, he wouldn't have done it anyway, but now he knows it. You know, there's a difference between I'm just a stubborn asshole because it's Harry and, you know, he spits in the eye of things greater than him because it must be done type of stuff. And now he fucking just knows there's nothing she could do that would change him. You know, I don't know. Anyway. For, for me, all of, all of this is interesting, but like I, I had seen all the speculation and stuff like that. The stuff that always turned my head, like especially the first time I read it, was the fact that it's like, so it's winter on the gates, right? And when they're walking, they're getting greeted as respected elders by the winter, you know, troops and whatever. So even the fact that she's summer and very clearly like she's got no fear there and they respect her as an equal elder, 
um, just as if, because like the courts are so at odds with each other, but it seemed like on the walls, they're, they're uh, symbiosis, you know, and even Rashid's job ties into like everybody's team reality on the wall, you know, they're because they talk about like summer medics and winter troops and all of these other things. And so all they are is their best selves and you don't, it, I don't see any, I mean, we don't get a glimpse into like their dynamics and whatever, but you don't see any backbiting or sneakiness or whatever. It's all, it's the good sides for lack of a better way uh, of saying it for winter, right? You see goblins being cunning against the outsiders and you see, you know, the, the pageantry of it and, and just the higher uh, nobility of what's going on. And that stuff was interesting to me. And then, you know, the fight scenes, you know, where it's like, Hey, that's a freaky, what the hell is that outsider thing eating entire, you know, battalions of troops, basically like thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands of people, you know, like entire formations uh, just getting destroyed. But yeah, and that's just the tiny scope of what's going on on the wall, you know. Of this tiny slice that Harry can see, but it don't, especially when he was talking about the, the, troop count that the white council thought was about 50,000 which basically matches summer and right. uh, mother summer says yes they're, they're accurate except for this section which is spent on guarding the outer gates and all that so mm -hmm. it seems like everything that they do near the mortal world is almost like theater or like they have to do it to be able to sustain or fuel the courts and then direct it towards the outer gates i mean Summer is pretty much just a check to Winter to making sure Winter is doing its job. Titania cannot outmatch Mav in terms of power, but they can destroy each other. And that's the only right. check that they have. Right. And, so, uh, Titania is literally the balance to Mav, mm -hmm. you know, perfectly for that part of it. But yeah, like, I mean, it's it's still crazy to think it. Mav would, Mav would have to take 1% of the troops off of the wall to crush her. And so, like, there's got to be something else going on other than raw power and, like, troop movements. Because right. if that's all you take into account, there's no way, you know, like, winter wins, period. <laughs> mm -hmm. And then when you think about why hasn't winter crushed summer, it's because they don't actually need to destroy each other. They're just creating energy by fighting each other, I think. Like, creating wind because hot and cold air meeting sure i i guess you know like i mean it's definitely because they don't need to and like what would we be gained and that's that's kind of like mother summer's point too which is like yes i mean they could and then everybody loses you know like mm -hmm. you know either of them could do that but they also understand if either of them did that everybody loses you know and and even go back to summer night right like how fucking scary was that you know like harry thought it was it was the end of the world what we know from, you know, Word of Jim and a few other things is it could have been the end of all of the worlds. So, you know, like it, the stakes were just a teeny, teeny, a tiny bit higher than that. <laughs> you know, it could have been reality. Um, so, but yeah, and it's, and it's just been going on since always, you know, because, mm -hmm. and, you know, there's, yeah, so, so many questions and the, and I think, I mean, it comes it comes down to our mortal perception of time, right? Like for the she, it's just always been going on and it's just their turn on the wall, right? But a turn implies the passage of time. Mm -hmm. So the Norse were doing it before them and whoever was doing it before them. And then what? The angels were doing it before then? Or are we doing the whole like the world's only 6,000 years old thing? You know, <laughs> like we, 
which mythology are, are we operating under? Like, well, it's it's probably all... the cycle has probably only existed for the amount of time that there's been sort of mortal influence on the world and the building up of religions and those creatures. Right. It really depends on when, I suppose, because they mentioned this in Deadbeat, you know, the, the outsiders serve the old gods that were cast out, locked away from reality. So they were here once before. Sure. Right. It's really a matter of when were they kicked out, how were they kicked out, and are the outer gates essentially that? That's where they were kicked out, that's where they were sent away, and that hasn't always existed, or has it always existed since from the beginning? Because if they were here before, it stands to reason that there, you know, there was no real area of the gates because there'd be no need for it. But it's really, I guess, it's up in the air. It would be a question to ask, you know, when it did, are the, are the outer gates essentially where they were kicked out? And when was that? But, yeah, my, I mean, I tend to think, yes, the angels were the first ones that were responsible for sort of um, fighting them off. That would, uh, if it's if it's a- truly angels, that being the ancient Hebrew religion represented, that that would have a whole different uh, meta story or backstory for the ancient Egyptians, for example, or any of the other uh, figures depicted in the Old Testament. That, so that's a whole can of worms. I don't know that Jim would want to open, but that would, that would kind of make the Dresden Files take on the Egyptians a lot like Stargate. Oh, just the evil false gods got kicked out. And they built the well, pyramids. I mean, well, it, it, it depends. You know, assuming the Egyptians, which I tend to think were at one point guardians, it's, there's nothing to say that guardians and factions can't be uh, influenced to do the bad thing. You know, the Red Court was infiltrated and, and used as, sure. as That's true. Of the pawns. So, you know, it's, it stands to reason. I mean, they try and do it with winter all, and summer and all the time that we've known this series. So they could have easily, well, easily, but, you know, it could just as easily be that the Egyptian story is one of a fallen guardian type thing. Sure. Well, that would be interesting. That would be interesting how to pull that off. But then, of course, uh, how much how much this has to do with uh, when they say old gods, this is like a primal, primordial kind of uh, religion before civilization. Are there early civilizations that would uh, have the quote old gods? I'm just trying to think in history what, what would track to that. I don't know. There's a to me. There's a lot of chicken and the egg for the Dresden Files as far as like where the gods come from, right? Because take the Oblivion Wars for example, right? The fact that nobody believes in them is how they get beaten, but they existed before the belief, and the belief gives them power. And yeah, it's the same same kind of thing with the White God, right? Like if he is, if we're following the Christian mythology, and he's the guy that created us then who was around to believe in him to give him the power to create us, right? So to me, they're primordial in the sense that they were there. They were the primal forces that existed at the time. And apparently in the Dresden Files, this is my creative license, right? When the white god showed up to create reality, he there was a crazy barren field with a bunch of vines and a bunch of weeds and shit. And he banished the weeds and put order there because that i mean like it and it depends on how far you take the mythos like i don't know how familiar you guys are with lovecraft but like i mean obviously cthulhu everybody knows on some level but 
Azathoth is like primordial chaos and in the mythos, reality only exists because he's dreaming that crazy shit up. Like reality is so fucking crazy and whatever in the mythos because he's dreaming it up. So like, I'm assuming we're not going that far, but at the same time, like that's probably along the lines of what was happening before the white God came from wherever and made it up. And then, you know, like how much of it are you taking like Tolkien's view, for example, and be like, you know, like um, you had Iluvatar and the angels, right? And like, even Iluvatar was kind of like, he was the rogue. And then, you know, like, I, it's been a while since I've read the mythology, so don't crucify me here. But right, like, if the white god came after the primordials, right, he would have been the rebel to their chaos and brought all this order. And then Lucifer rebelled against him. And then, like, how far does this cycle go? Like, there's just so much to be answered there. Like, it it's crazy you know and and again mortal time there has to be a start and an end but to timeless things there isn't you know so it's always been this way it's never been this way it will always be this way like i i have have the sense that this is the sort of uh you know it's infinite regress and infinite regress and causality not just in time and so this is the sort of question that i don't know that jim was particularly interested in answering in the dresden files i have a feeling he might just punt it and do like he had with, you know, Mother Winter, never quite answering the question, being cryptic, smiling when put on the spot, and saying nothing. I kind of right. feel that's how, how Jim's how Jim would take the series, because yeah. I don't know that he'd go full theologian here. Well, less is more, but the problem is, if he's going to do some of the things that make the most sense in the BAT, he's going to have to answer some of those questions, like... He may not tell us, you know, the origins of the white God in the Dresden verse, right? Like that may be beyond the scope of what's going on. But if we're literally going to hell and we're literally going to fight the outsiders, there are definitely some questions that he's going to be very close to answering if he doesn't, you know, like for some reason, it'll, it'll be a little weird if he doesn't touch on some of them, like some, some of the origin of the outsiders a little bit, you know, or at least, you know, unless, unless again, like you said, he kind of like hand waves it away and it's like, they've just always been here. We don't know. Um, which which is a possibility and and that's how most most of other like fantasies like you know D D or anything like that they kind of deal with that is that they've just always been there we don't know you know whereas like even hp lovecraft is like they've always been there because they are the gods there is no white god like reality exists because they do and mostly they're bleeding in from higher dimensions that's where the outsiders come from you know because they're fourth fifth seventh whatever dimensional creatures and this cthulhu is literally the shadow that whatever cthulhu actually is or or even better cthulhu is the shadow that azatop casts into the third dimension if you really want to bake your noodle you know anyway that this is why we should talk about the mythos at some point because you know, it, it. I I get the feeling that in the next couple of books, it's going to be pretty important, especially with you know day one and or not day one. What was it? Cold case and uh, you know them actually talking about the sleeper in the Pacific and everything. And I'm like, come on! If that wasn't a direct hit for Cthulhu, it's really fucking close off the bow. <laughs> you know, so um, yeah. All right. Anyway. So did we cover an entire chapter? Because uh, Possibly. Like okay. we kind of <laughs> sort of talked about the shit that Mother Summer is talking to Harry about and then they meet Rashid. 
and then it's chapter 34. So in 40 minutes, we've gone through one chapter. Yeah, so Rashid is there. The one one thing we didn't mention, the one thing we didn't mention, Harry actually wears a hat in this chapter. Don't miss it. It's a helmet. I don't know if it counts. Yeah. So, and it's not even the first time. Anyway, so so Rashid is there, and Gatekeeper is also supposed to not be a, a literal thing that it is. It's supposed to be symbolic somehow, but it's totally real, and his his eye patch his his secret power is his eye that allows him to see or at least usually see infections and his his job is so secret that even his secret eye has a cover right a disguise yes yeah mm-hmm. so i love the moment when he like taps his false eye and harry twitches Oh, yeah. I, I've apparently blocked that from my mind. Oh, so, yeah. <laughs> yeah, he says it at some point, and he literally taps the false eye, and Harry's like, Ugh. Right. That's awesome. But this is also where Rashid talks about, he's like, oh, you're alive. I mean, that's not, like, unprecedented, but I guess I can help you with the paperwork. And he's like, really? The paperwork? And he's like, go ahead. You're, you're itching to say the words. Say the well, words. It's just, the thing I always take away from this conversation is it's almost the same thing that he said with Vaterung. Okay. Well. well, because he's asking each of them for help, uh-huh. and they both say, I can't help you. You have killed yourself and come back. Uh-huh. You are the fulcrum. Both of them say almost the same thing. Therefore, okay. they must be the same person. Right. <laughs> they have the same information. So they, does uh, Mother Winter and Mother Summer. They both got eye patches. Yeah, exactly. The same person. Actually, but... They're both about the same size. Mm-hmm. They, you've never seen them in the same place at the same time. Exactly. Yeah. You can't disprove it as the problem. That's what she's writing. Mm-hmm. No, so anyway, you can. the important mm-hmm. line, the important line is don't underestimate the the power of this gift or what? what is it that he actually says? The power the of this uh, favor, favor or something. Yeah. Okay. Uh, but in, in doing the council paperwork to make sure that he gets put, made alive again and he gets all his back pay and a few other things, which, you know, it's funny because in in these two books, we basically get a couple of things that kind of unhitch uh, Harry from some of the minor stuff that comes up in previous books. Like when he plays around with his magical gizmos and stuff, he talks about how expensive shit is, but it's like, you know, getting getting about a year's worth of back pay, not having to pay rent anymore, and then eventually, you know, spoilers for the next book, you know, making potentially anywhere from five to twenty million dollars worth of diamonds. You know, like yeah, he's, he's pretty. He's never going to get to use that. Though. It's pretty good. I know, but the something's going to come up where that's going to be like it's going to be like a Marcone situation where he's going to use whatever is left over to like get his way out of some situation where it's probably overkill to offer half those diamonds, but he's going to do it anyway. Sure. And he's, he's never going to get to cash in on that shit. Right. No, and I, and I don't think for a minute that he's ever going to like live large, but, right? but the point is he's kind of being unhitched from that mortal concern. He pay for Maggie's you know? schooling at the private school. And that's, He probably I mean, pays that's... with his reputation for that. Eh. Some some of. I mean, she got in on his reputation, but yeah, like, I, I get to see They still need to keep the lights on. The, I know, yeah, I like see those bastards. Like, and he, he has a reputation at that school specifically. He cost them their headmaster or whatever it was. Well, he know. didn't cost them anything. He saved them from their headmaster. That's, well, sure, sure, sure. <laughs> sure. Say they're going to wave for but, tuition for, for that. But, right. but, but Butcher will make Harry pay because Harry yeah. has to suffer. So it doesn't matter what Harry actually did. There's an excuse to make him pay. Sure. Fair enough. Pay double. All right. So he finds out 
Okay, you've got a thing. Oh, okay. Thing. <laughs> so uh, <laughs> when Harry is figuring out that the gates are like a CAT scanner and Rashid's eye made of the same material is kind of one of the ways of doing that, mm -hmm. then that's the moment that Rashid taps his false eye. I had the idea that what if they had to make a gate of a way of like an entryway in order to have the ability of the CAT scanner in the first place? Like it had a, a give and take sort of thing. They build the walls, they build the gates so that they can actually have a chance of seeing when people were getting infected instead of not having any warning at all. I'm not following you. Okay, instead of a, a, the gates being where something already came in and that's just the place where they had to patch a hole, what if in order to have any kind of barrier, they had to also have the cost of there was an entryway, but that's the spot that they can watch. So I was thinking of the way that fairies have to give and take. And if they were building something, it has to have a, a negative as well. I, okay, I sort of follow you, but then I'm going to play the metaphor card and then walk away because, I mean, it's not, none of this is literally happening, right? Like, I'm sure Rashid sees something very similar to what Harry sees as well. But where where I'm more curious about is how this butts up against the fact that, like, only mortals can let them in, you know? And it's like, do they have literal keys or is this, I mean, because they're summoning them, right? Only mortals can mm. summon them. A so it's not like the mortal nemesis can get through and if they like this right. is the spot or, where we know like the, like the choke point where we know they're going to try to come through we can monitor it or nemesis was already on the inside similar to the sleeper because that's also covered in lots of mythology is like i mean because this is the only place my nerd brain can go mass effect too right you've got the harbinger and you've got somebody's already on the inside shaking shit up and paving the way so to speak that's what I see Nemesis as. Well, um, Nemesis can do more than one person at a time. We don't know what the upper limits are. But right. it got in either way, whether it's still doing it at the gates or not, which I have to imagine it is, because otherwise there's no need for Rashid to be there. Yeah, If I mean, it still doesn't try to get if in If Rashid that. leaves and they stop being as conscious, then they'll use that opening anyway. Right, but, that, but uh, putting even that general notion aside, if he's there, you know, he says as much that nemesis rarely tries here as long gotcha. as the gatekeeper is vigilant which means they would still try but they get in other ways like they got in through the athame and they you know whoever may have got it into cat sith however she got it into him so there are other ways to get it in okay so right nemesis being still on the outside just you know, pieces of him or, or it or whatever are running around. Right. I mean, it was at a minimum, it was in two people in cold days. So we know it can do that at least. Two relatively right. powerful individuals. Um, it was in uh, Leah and Maeve at the same time, who are also two even more powerful individuals if we're taking this the upward projection of power, because Katz is not as powerful as Leah. Right. I'm, I'm just, uh, that, that is not a question to me because Nemesis is an infection. So, I mean, infections can be in multiple people, whatever, but I'm mostly talking the sleeper is clearly an insider or whatever we want to call him because he has not been banished if he's asleep in the Pacific. And then there are clearly outsiders and also the knights, you know, seem to be inside or at least can cross over. Uh, you know, again as well. So that's what I'm saying. Like, I, is Nemesis already in on the inside? Is the killer in the house, or is he still outside with the Shogoths and all the others and and whatever? You know. So, I mean, um, I think I think in Nemesis' case, it's both. 
because the walkers sure. can the walkers can come in, but when they die, they always go back out. Right, and then they have to be resummoned. Nemesis, as long as it's in something here, is always going to be in. Right, but it's also going to have pieces out. Like it's it's probably not its whole thing by any stretch. I can't imagine all of whatever Nemesis is is in the mortal world, but pieces of it are in ways that it is not for others that have to constantly be brought in or are already in but locked away right it's, I, the, it's the great in between i follow that which is why it's so much more dangerous and why it, you can't even say its name without attracting attention to it and this that and the other thing you right they call it the adversary or nemesis apparently is also okay uh, like, or the... that. like that the tiny was being really careful saying nemesis yeah, and then every other time they just say, and that's why when he has a conversation with right. mother, it's like the adversary. Can I say that safely? And she's like, Yeah, that one. You can. Gotcha. Yeah. I just didn't remember them like freaking out and doing backflips when he said nemesis. So, but okay. Anything so else? I have to... the... There are two possible alternate names for nemesis. Okay. Uh, Silk weavers and the Vord. Mm. Stop it. No. You don't no. think so? I a I haven't read enough of it, but they got yeah. the they got the thrall thing. They got the zombie thing in Codex Alera. There's spiders in that one and too. There's spiders in the others. The silk weavers are different, right? Because those those are from the cinder spires, right? Yeah, right, exactly. Yeah, th that's a different thing. So, like the because yeah, the silk weavers weren't taking over anything. They were taken over, right? Uh, we're right, but there's similarity there would be the similarity there would be the bugginess of them and the bugginess of the Codex Alera Big Bad, which is the Ford, and they're like zombie well, Zerg bug Borg. Yeah, so they're like there are there are Zerg or whatever for for your parlance in the Cinder Spires. We just don't know who they are yet. But yeah, the Silk Reavers right. were being controlled. They weren't the controller. Nemesis is most likely the thing doing the thing. And I, I doubt Nemesis is going to be some monolithic, you know, bunch of creatures that you see in the Cinder Spires. But because to me, the Cinder Spires, like taking the StarCraft reference and having played some of two, the, the Cinder Spires thing made me think the hybrids for sure. And mm. and like the Protoss or hybrids and whatnot. Um, and some of that. But Nemesis is very much uh, outsiders type of thing. And I am still curious how... He's going to put the Dresden verse in his bigger verse, right? But um, I, I haven't I get, seen those yeah. crossovers I have this, yet. I have the sense that there's there's still definitely a common element of uh, in the second book, which actually gets dropped in the later books, so Academus Fury and the Codex Alera. Mm -hmm. uh, the, one of the, the others, the series that Jim has finished, let's say, uh, there's the uh, plot element of people being taken and those little worms get in their ears like the Star Trek Two sort of thing, or uh, whatever. Animorphs. And animorphs. Uh, yikes. <laughs> Not oh, quite wow. animorphs. Uh, nice. But they, people people get taken. People get uh, controlled. And they're just dead corpses. Uh, so that's that's a little okay. bit different take. That's uh, a zombie I I, there. I guess I need a to read the books then still so like i've been telling you for fucking years i know but the fucking narrator is terrible so, so I read gotta, the book yeah but that's got eyeball challenges too, so he's like he's like he read the he's book to your eye. kid it'll bore them but you'll be entertained and they'll go to sleep and you get to read the book 
that you might be onto something. We'll see. I know. I, uh, I don't know. How old's your kid? Yeah, I was like, uh, he's pushing four, so I know it's going to be a little much. At he doesn't well. need to be entertained by it. He just needs he'll to go to sleep. sleep. Yeah, he'll be asleep. Right, right, right. The other one if will go to sleep. Th- if he's three or under, it doesn't matter what you read him. You can read him Scientific American. That's the other one's just going to be really hearing true. Charlie Brown noises, so it doesn't matter. <laughs> yeah, he definitely. Yeah, anyway, so. Anyway. He gets okay. back to his apartment, then he figures everything out, and then they go to the island. The Yay, end. the end. Cold days. <laughs> right. I mean, seriously, I don't remember if it, um, what else happens about it. Well, I guess well, Rashid says, stupid. you don't need help, Warden. You are the help. And Harry says, we're fucked. Um, oh, yeah. Slightly different true. words. And then he asks to be taken back to his apartment. Right. Oh, oh and then there's, a nice little, there's a nice little bit there about uh, you get used to it, and it, wait, mm. that's it? Yeah. Yeah, you get used to it. And wait. Yeah, you get used to it. You are the help. And Harry says we're fucked. Right. Which I'm glad I'm glad you did bring that up because it is a very touching moment. Like you don't need help, you are the help. Since it's been a month, he has his hands bruised. Why are his hands bruised? Because he's been punching shit? Death threats, fighting off, uh, kill, uh, you know, yeah, didn't, all the, the fairies, yeah. shark face, the ex- various oh, things sure. exploding. I was like, Ace Ace was kicking the shit out of him at the. Oh, there's the, that too. Yeah. And, and Captain had to Hook. Save him. Lacuna. Oh, right. Right. That's where all those scratches and shit come from. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's been beaten up a whole bunch in this book. He just doesn't feel it very much. And right. this is the point where he finds out that everyone's been kidnapped because it's no good without a ransom story. Yeah. This feels a bit strange, but he yeah. gets back to the apartment and realizes that he smells like clothes because goth kids are weird. Uh, and then could be worse. Yeah, it could be worse. He was in a grave and then trekking through an ancient battlefield. That's oh, been right. On since time and memoriam, he could do mm-hmm. worse than smelling like clothes. Yeah, yeah. right. Okay. Yeah. Uh, and they have like an envelope or something with a whole bunch of hair in it mm-hmm. butters andy and justine mm-hmm. right so nobody had consequence was mac hair in there too or was mac taking yeah it? mac was there so it was a bottle cap for him right yeah oh, right i was like yeah he's bald yeah. dude <laughs> so they didn't put his hair in there <laughs> yeah so uh, they had taken someone from every place that he had been and he's gonna go smack them but didn't sarissa show up at this point Oh right, because we're doing the we're doing the uh, so Sarissa is at Molly's apartment. Yeah, I think. Well, okay. and he's covered in grave dirt. He goes takes a shower. Lacuna asks, "Why are you wearing a shirt if someone else is Aerosmith?" Someone and else's uh, yeah, Weaponsmith. Right. Weaponsmith. Yeah. And Sarissa is there and freaking the fuck out. And he doesn't trust her because it's been that kind of day. And and he's feeling a little rapey, and she really freaks out. Right. Okay, I mean, so that that's there too, but I was more thinking like, you know, he doesn't trust her because she he is starting to realize she's of winter and, and what that mm-hmm. means and whatever, but yeah. yeah. And then he and... gets hungry. Yeah. And then they go to the... Um, is, does anything else happen before they go to the warehouse? They pick up Mouse. Yeah. Okay. And we learn that Molly so, can communicate with him. Right. Yeah. Which everybody can talk to Mouse except for Harry because it's Harry. But mm-hmm. they go to the warehouse and then they oh. realize that this well, is... Before they leave Molly's apartment, uh, he wants to use Kat's help. And he right. starts calling her and 
uh, hey, kitty, kitty, kitty. And Sir says, what are you doing? This guy's going to murder me just Freeze. because he can't hurt you. He goes outside and maybe the threshold is keeping him out. Mm-hmm. Calls for cats several times. Nothing happens. Like, mm-hmm. huh, that's weird. And you forget about it until the end of the book. I mean, ish, you know, in the sense that it's like, that's weird. That's a future problem, you know? But mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. And yeah. then. But he was Cersei's... definitely a dick about it. So. <laughs> I mean, being a dick to cats is probably a good way to get his attention. Exactly. That was the thing. Oh, he tried to be pretty polite. Much the whole time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He tried to be polite and then he went to 11 and she's like, oh my fucking God. And then. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So. Well, the last time he got him, it was polite. Right. That's why. Apartment. I mean, it's the same thing I do to my brother, right? Like, I'm going to give you one chance, and then it, from there, it goes into the pounding. So, You know, I, I got to say, for, for a character who basically shows up this book and gets kicked out this book, it's like a top 10 anime betrayals idea, because Cat said he's such a great character, and now he's we gone. We haven't seen his body, so he's I know, still out I there. know. He's but I mean, the, the whole, nah, he whole went arc of the book. The whole he arc went. of the book. Yeah. Uh, of course, you know, if he did land in the cold and the dark of Lake Michigan. He's then, a fairy. Yeah, he's a fairy. Of winter. Of winter. Of winter. He and doesn't Map, <laughs> yeah. Map takes him to the uh, the fairy pound or whatever. And if if whatever. anything, if anything, he's going to somehow get uninfected un- because he's that much of a badass. And then he's going to come back to be an antagonist for Harry for all the things he was doing, being a dick while he was under the spell you know he'd be like he'd be like oh my god cat sith why he'd be like you fucking know why god damn it here kitty kitty you son of a bitch i'll show you so i want harry to do the thing of like a, a adorable child that does not own strength and just pick up cat sith and gigantic hug and cat sith is trying to get out <laughs> Very well, that's the easiest way to die <laughs> <laughs> good way to lose all your arms and legs and bandages yeah and, and what you his spine's already been fucked up before. He's going to have no spine if he does that. Yeah, what happens to several of those children when they try it? So, All right, so there's the stage they, in Molly's apartment. Yes. They, they go, go get Mouse, and uh, Molly says, the they're the, the carpenter children, and all of them were going to the botanical gardens where they were just at fighting fairies for Halloween, and Harry doesn't have to face Maggie. Yeah, right. it's convenient. Mm-hmm. Okay, so like I said, nothing of consequence. And then they go to the warehouse. Yes. Mm-hmm. In the Munster And then Mokia. he's like, wait a minute, what haven't I been here before? Mm-hmm. With that cheesy villain and the and the yeah. knife and Back the up. kidnapping. Yeah, exactly. Like yes. one of the best short stories. So yeah. And then he saves them and he displays one of his more impressive uh magical um feats. Which is pretty much when he turns on the cold, it doesn't run out, so he could just Correct. like lift the whole building one layer at a time, apparently. He's just cause... like, all right, Winter, let's see what we can do. Right. And he makes a mini iceberg and lifts the fucking warehouse out of the lake. Yeah. And then isn't like Justine and everybody like staring at him like all freaked out and then whatever the well, next scene is. So I mean at that point. Yeah. I mean face it, his entire kind of... book is everyone staring at him freaked out. Right. <laughs> Or like you were scary before, but now you real scary. You like scary squared. Mm-hmm. They're all just, they're all so whiny. Like the guy saves you, give throw him a bone. No, he's gonna throw you a bone. Giggity. <laughs> I mean, well, that, that, that doesn't matter. That doesn't matter to Mac ben. and Butter. They're not his type. No, they're even more scared. No, 
No, but Mac, uh, Mac is just like, <laughs> no further comments because this is going to get weird and get people in trouble. But um, I already pissed off China. Which, which, yeah, it's just <laughs> yeah the whole the whole thing. Um, <laughs> and on that note, yeah, I was just thinking it's like you never see people look at Superman that freaked out. Jeez, you know. Well, unless you're reading the uh, uh, Injustice comics. Well, I mean, obviously, like scary dark superman sure but not like regular superman like he saves batman batman's like fucking took you long enough like he's not like oh god don't touch me you're so strong you've got that ice breath power and those laser eyes oh you're so scary pretty much at the point that you're reading the injustice comics you should take a good look at yourself and rethink your life decisions all right well on that we should get out of here because words have been thrown and we're gonna have to fight now so all right. I'm seeing All if right. there's anything. Well, it's okay. bumper here. Well, uh, I guess so. I mean, I okay. in the middle of chapter 38. In Yay, the middle of chapter another 38. Another five chapters. Yeah. Three, wasn't that <laughs> that. Barely. We did it. Barely 40 <laughs> minutes on half a chapter. We did uh, it, so, yeah, right? this has been a very pre- professional presentation of the very professional <laughs> Dresden Files podcast. Uh, brought to you by the Broken Jars Network. If you'd like to support the Broken Jars Network, since uh, Google Hangouts is kerplunked or whatever, and uh, we use this new platform now, definitely come check out our Patreon or go to Drive Through RPG down in the description below. There's a link down there, almost certainly. So check that out. We got a uh, a couple ways for you to support us with money or Patreon. Just give us money. Alternatively, just check out some of these other podcasts we got. We got uh, High Fantasy on Hiatus. We got Great Scott, which is always perpetually about to end because they're coming up close to the end of the uh, the Office. They do an episode for every couple episodes of The Office. They do, uh, oh, we have uh, DMs Anonymous. Did I get the name right this time? Yes. 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 And Andreas, what'd you do on DMs Anonymous? Uh, just the same thing as last time. Okay, thank you, Andreas. Um, <laughs> is there anything? They're they're oh, going to be doing Simtalk. a yeah, Simtalk. Simtalk still going on, as far as I know, yeah. and then they're going to do a book club podcast that they oh right they've got people they just haven't you know done anything else yet. So yeah, so the idea for a podcast is easy. Actually, doing the logistical work is the hard part. So what do you guess? That's why we've got a director. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Mm. Mm. 